Hey Mosaic, uh, welcome. I'm glad that you're here in the midst of this moment in which we continue to journey through this mysterious season together of um, being the church in just different kinds of ways. It's been helpful for me just to talk about this season uh, just being a mysterious one. Uh, it helps me to step into the mystery of it and not pretend that I have any clear answers or not pretend that I can put my finger on what is certain or what's not certain, uh, but just open myself up to uh, just the wonder and the awe of all that God is looking to accomplish in my life. And I hope for you that you can just really continue to see this as just one lengthy, mysterious season that we're in, uh, that God is meeting you in all kinds of unique ways, um, doing things in your life that perhaps uh, couldn't be accomplished uh, if we weren't going through this mysterious season together. So, good to see you. Glad that you're here in the midst of this moment, in the midst of this mysterious season that we're in. One of the things that I've really loved uh, about being in Nebraska over the last two and a half years is just being in wide open spaces. and. Uh, I'm in one of my favorite wide open spaces right now. I love uh, coming here on somewhat of a regular basis. And these wide open spaces, they have a way of just speaking to me um, about how God's grace and kindness is a vast, wide open, welcome space. And when I'm here, um, God's grace and kindness has a way of just fully welcoming my story fully welcoming my experience, all my experiences in the past, my experience now, my joys, my celebrations, my questions, uh, but in particular my, my hurt, uh, my pain, uh, my anger, my irritation, uh, my judgment of, of myself and, and others, uh, my self-righteousness, my hypocrisy, all of it. God's grace and kindness is a, it's a vast welcome space uh, where I'm able to come and just bring all of that and let uh, just the source of His grace and kindness minister to me. Uh, Mosaic, I, ho I hope that that is a regular practice in your life. One of the things I love to do, though, when I'm here is also just remind myself how um, God's vast grace and kindness it's not just something um, for me or people like me. This isn't my turf. This isn't my home field. Uh, but His grace and kindness is for everyone, and it is vast, and it's welcoming everyone, welcoming stories and experiences that are vastly different than my own, uh, welcoming real hurt and pain and anger of others who I haven't had their experience and maybe I don't experience their their hurt and their pain and their anger because my story is different than theirs. But in some way, um, God's grace and kindness, it's a vast wide open space that welcomes all of us. The reason I share this is uh, I was interacting with uh, some words of a theologian and scholar, his name is Stanley Hauerwas, and it's just talking about the current climate in which we live in now. And in a lot of ways, he has said, you know, unfortunately, we have abandoned friendship 
in learning how to live together for a pursuit of justice. And he's not saying that a pursuit of justice isn't important. But what he's saying is that if we abandon friendship and truly embodying a spirit of living together in grace and kindness, we turn each other into enemies. We hate each other. Everything becomes partisan. Everything becomes about who's right and who's wrong. And Stanley Hauerwas was saying, you know, when we abandon friendship and we hate each other, um, we're never going to agree on what is true, what is beautiful. Because you can't do that apart from friendship. And if we can't agree on what is true and beautiful, we'll never truly agree on what justice is and how we truly work equality for all. And those words have just rung true with me because I think especially as we're walking through the letter of Romans backwards, we're seeing these two groups of people, and this is the real context of the living theology that's within this letter, the, the strong and the weak, learning how to welcome each other and realizing that as they welcome each other and become siblings and a family to one another, that Jesus is present with them, doing the work of restoration and renewal that Jesus does, that his presence brings. But it's really dependent upon our willingness to step in and um, live our lives together and experience the vastness of God's grace and kindness, realizing that it's for us, but it's also for uh, everyone around us whose stories are very different than our own, whose hurt and pain is very different than our own. The last few weeks, and we'll wrap up uh, in this moment, looking at chapters 9 through 11. And in chapters 9 and 10, Paul was very much addressing the weak, the non-Jews, uh, I'm sorry, the non-Gentiles, the, the Jews who were living in Rome. And they were struggling because, you know, they were God's chosen people. Uh, they had been given the covenants. They had been given the law. And for generations, they had strived to keep the law. They had strived to be God's people. And last week, we looked at Romans chapter 10, verse 4, where Paul makes this statement that Christ is the culminating completion of the law. And now it's all about faith in Christ. Through faith in Christ, through faith in His life, death, and resurrection, everyone is welcome into this um, scope of salvation history that God is working through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. And these weak, these non-Gentile Jews living in Rome, they were struggling because, man, they were trying to hold on to the last ounce of privilege that they had. They were the ones who had strived to keep the law. And the Apostle Paul is encouraging them, there is no room for holding on to any ounce of privilege in what God is now doing in the world through Christ. And now in chapter 11, especially in verse 13, uh, the Apostle Paul turns his focus to the strong, the Gentiles living on their home turf. And before we look at this, I want to just um, invite you into a moment. Maybe you can remember back to your uh, school days, middle school, high school. For some of you, maybe you're there now. For some of you, you're going to have to remember um, quite a while back. But when you think back to those school days, um, do you remember those kids who, uh, they owned the school? The hallways of the school, man, that was their home turf. Um, 
they had the looks, they had the gifts, uh, they seemed to own everything, even sometimes the teachers and the administration, and through their pride and their boasting, they wanted everybody to know it, that this was their home turf. And those are the games of empire. The games of empire really invite us into claiming, hey, this is our turf, and if you're going to be here with us, uh, you need to submit yourselves to what's comfortable for us, what works for us. And the Apostle Paul really wants to, speaking to the strong, the Gentiles now, who have been invited into all that God is doing on their home turf now, he wants them to understand there's no place for this kind of um, pride. There's no place for this kind of boasting. There's no claiming that this is our home turf, and so if you want to be here with us, uh, you need to adjust accordingly. In Romans chapter 11, starting in verse 13, the Apostle Paul writes these words to the strong, the Gentiles living in Rome on their home turf. And remember, these strong, they were despising the weak um, because the weak, their story, their complexities, their pain, the things that they were working through, kind of brought disruption to the Gentile home turf. And those on the home turf, they just, they didn't like this. It irritated them. They were despising the weak. And the Apostle Paul is saying, no, 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 this isn't, this isn't what it looks like to be a family of God together. Chapter 11, verse 13, Now I am speaking to you Gentiles. Inasmuch then as I am an apostle to the Gentiles, I glorify my ministry in order to make my own people jealous, his own people being the weak, the Jews struggling. He says, I, I glorify my ministry in order to make my own people jealous. Basically, that, that they would understand how God's salvation history is now welcoming everyone and that they would still see that God is going to be faithful to them, but um, that they would realize that this is how God's working. And so, honor God in joining in what he's doing. That's what he means by making his own people jealous, that, that they would again have this zeal to honor God in, in what he's up to in the world. For if their rejection is the reconciliation of the world, what will their acceptance be but life from the dead? If the part of the dough offered as first fruits is holy, then the whole batch is holy. And if the root is holy, then the branches also are holy. But if some of the branches were broken off, and here he's talking about his people, Israel, some of those branches being broken off, and you, Gentiles, a wild olive shoot, were grafted in their place to share the rich root of the olive tree. Do not boast over the branches. If you do boast, remember that it is not you that support the root, but the root that supports you. You will say, branches were broken off so that I might be grafted in. That is true. They were broken off because of their unbelief. But you stand only through faith. So do not become proud. But stand in awe. For if God did not spare the natural branches, perhaps he will not spare you. Note then the kindness and the severity of God. Severity toward those who have fallen, 
but God's kindness toward you, provided you continue in his kindness. Otherwise, you also will be cut off. So the Apostle Paul, in addressing this part of the letter to the strong, he very much wants them to understand this, this picture that he's given of this olive tree. And an olive tree, all of these people would have understood, an olive tree is, is very durable. Um, it just, it lasts and lasts and lasts. And he speaks of branches. There's the natural branches, uh, being the Israelite people who, they were originally God's chosen. God was working his redemptive history through them. But now these other branches, these unnatural branches, have been, have been welcomed, welcomed in to, to the scope of God's history, of all that he's doing to renew and restore everything in the world. And so he wants them to understand, you Gentiles, you've been grafted in. And then the Apostle Paul, he talks about a root. And he says to him, remember, you don't support the root, but the root supports you. And so people who have wrestled with this passage, they've often asked, well, what, what is this root? And the Apostle Paul, he says, note then the kindness. Note then the kindness of God. Kindness towards you, provided you continue in his kindness. And looking at this, they've said, you know, the, the root is really... God's grace and kindness extended through his call to all people, including all of you Gentiles who have been welcomed into God's scope of redemptive history. Your story is welcome here. All of your life, your joys, your celebrations, but also your hurt, your pain, your questions, your complexity, your anger, your hypocrisy, your self-righteousness, your judgment of others, it's all welcome here. And God's kindness and His grace is being extended to you through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. Love and forgiveness meets you in the midst of all of that. But Paul says to them, look, as you've been welcomed into this, realize it's real easy to step outside of being a branch connected to that root. And then you actually end up becoming other things toward other people as you sometimes don't stay connected to that root. And so the Apostle Paul wants them to understand, look, just as you've been welcomed, you could be cut off if you choose not to continue on in this grace and kindness that's been extended to you. And this is what it means to abide in Jesus. This is what it means to be welcomed into Jesus' family, that we would become a people who continually abide, connected as a branch to the vast welcoming space, the root of God's grace and kindness toward all people. And so Mosaic, I wonder in this moment, what what other things really become the source of your life that you stay connected to that perhaps are vastly different than the vast welcoming space of God's grace and kindness being extended to all people? I wonder what that might be for you. I know sometimes for me, the source of my life can can be the voices in my head, those condemning voices that continually bring condemnation to myself, 
that bring condemnation to others. It's easy sometimes for just the digital world, the social media feeds around to become the source of my life, striving for those hearts and those likes. Sometimes it's easy for just the 24-7 news cycle blaring at us to become the source of our life, inviting us to continually just despise and judge and hate others. Sometimes it's the pain that's been brought to us by others, the hurt that's been delivered to us by others, and that becomes the source of our life, and we continue to stay there. And I believe that God is inviting us, just as he was inviting these strong, living on their home turf, having a hard time welcoming the stories, the complexities, the pain of others into God's redemptive history. God is saying to each of us, Will you please stay connected to the vast, wide open space of my grace and my kindness that welcomes you? Because that is the root that supports you. You don't support that root, but that root supports you. Mosaic, the beautiful thing about, about being the church is the church the church doesn't need a politic. The church is a politic in and of itself. We're a new human family embodying something vastly different than the empire around us understands. Because when we learn how to truly welcome all as siblings, into the vast, wide-open space of God's grace and kindness and say, come, we want to hear your story. We want to welcome your story because God wants to hear your story. God welcomes your story. And there is grace, there is kindness, there is love, there is forgiveness, there is grace and mercy meeting you. When we become this for each other, we enter just the long, beautiful work of being for the world what the world so desperately needs and ultimately where the world is is headed. The future that God is creating in and through us, the church. And so Mosaic, as we keep moving forward, I just want to invite you into the coming days and weeks of this summer. Will you, will you seek out opportunities to allow the root of God's grace and kindness to minister to your anger? to minister to your questions, to minister to your despising of others, to your judgment of others? And will you somehow look to surround yourself with stories that are different from you and truly learn how to listen and lean in? Where together we can say, hey, let's, let's be siblings in the family of God. Let's truly realize that as we learn how to embody friendship with one another, that from a place of friendship comes our discovery of the truth of what Jesus is doing in our midst. And when we discover the truth of what Jesus is doing in our midst, then we can move towards the justice that God desires to bring 
for the oppressed, for those uh, who have suffered far too long. In Mosaic, I'm specifically speaking to those of us who have been comfortable on our home turf throughout the years. That those who haven't been comfortable on this turf, that we would say, how do we allow the the kindness of God, the grace of God, to welcome their story, to welcome their pain, that together we would enter into a discovery of this is what it means to be the people of God in this day and age. So Mosaic, we love you. We miss you. Uh, Soon we're going to be sharing an announcement about some things that we're thinking about as the summer eventually Uh, will come to an end and the fall begins, but uh, in the midst of moving forward, may the vast, wide-open space of God's grace and kindness meet you and minister to you in beautiful ways, and may you extend that grace and kindness to everyone that you meet. Grace and peace to you.